Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This content may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion advised. It was my turn now. I had to know what was down there. I pulled out my phone, turned on the flashlight, and started descending the stairs. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Welcome in, everyone, to our debut solo shot episode. A single terrifying tale coming your way every other week. So, without further delay, let's dive into the horror. This week, we have an anonymous email submission featuring voice work by Matt Bradford, and we find out what's behind the pantry door. Canoeing for a week straight is very tiring, as anyone might guess. So, on my week-long canoe trip in the Canadian Boundary Waters with my cousin Sam, family friend Stephen, my sister-in-law's brother Archie, and all our dads came to an end, we were ready to get some rest in actual bed. My dad had been raving about the cheap mansion he had booked on Airbnb for the entire trip, as if our goal wasn't to survive Canada, but to make it to the Airbnb. Well, the Airbnb was located right outside of Minneapolis on a street corner with lots of other not-so-nice-looking houses surrounding it. And the term mansion my dad had used to describe the house made it seem as if it was huge. But instead, we noticed it was just substantially taller than all the other houses around it. I mean, it did seem like it could be a mansion if the house was twice or three times the size since it did have features of a classic mansion. The house had an observation tower, spires, Victorian-style beams, and an overall eerie aura surrounding it. We pulled into the driveway, which wrapped around the backyard and got out of the car. Looking up at the height of the Airbnb we had rented, we knew we were going to have a different experience than any house we had stayed in before. Entering the house, I mean, it was as if someone had turned the brightness in the world all the way down. Turning on the lights throughout the house also didn't seem to make it any brighter. The front door led us into the kitchen, a small pine-filled room with an island in the center that held the house rules on top. Ignoring the house rules, we walked into the living room and understood why we had an eerie feeling when we first arrived. Old dirty carpet and old dirty couches filled the living room. A wallpaper of little girls picking flowers wrapped around the entire room. Pictures of middle-aged women from the Renaissance period hung on the wall staring you down, seeming to hold in a secret. Sam nudged my arm. Let's go find the best room before anyone else takes it. 
We rushed into the kitchen where a linear staircase about two feet wide stretched up three stories. With each story of the house, we climbed in the stairwell. We would run down the extremely narrow hallway that branched off the stairs, searching for the perfect bedroom for the night. Eventually, we found what we thought would be perfect. It was the biggest room we had found so far. So big, it could fit two beds, which it did. We set our bags down next to a bed and laid down, taking in the glorious feeling of a mattress. Sam's head shot up. Did you hear that? He inquired. The closet door started flapping like someone kept throwing the doors open. Sam and I jumped back. Then the door slammed open and two people jumped out tackling Sam and I. I looked up and my dad had pinned me down. I looked to my left. My uncle Chad had pinned down Sam. Did we get you? My dad asked. No, Sam and I answered together. All right, get out. We already claimed this room, Chad said. Sam and I couldn't argue with Chad. He was more stubborn than a locked door you're trying to open. We grabbed our bags and sluggishly exited the bedroom and continued our search. We headed up the stairs again until we reached the attic, which seemed to surprise us. The attic was huge and completely clean. There were two beds against the left wall, just past the TV, Xbox, and neon green beanbag chairs. We walked over to the beds knowing we hit the jackpot when Archie and Steven appeared. Sorry, we already took the attic. You suck. Get better, Steven boasted. He had quickly gained a hatred towards Steven from day one of the canoe trip. Well, too bad, replied Sam, setting down his bags and laying on the bed. I set my bags down reluctantly, but I was tired of carrying them. Archie and Steven gave in quite easily and agreed to discuss it later instead of fighting back for the attic. The games of Monopoly that followed the attic skirmish were quite fun ones. I won the first three games, as tends to happen when I play Monopoly. The fourth game seemed to take a little longer than the first three. We'd been playing the game for about 40 minutes at this point, and no one had gotten out. All of a sudden, we noticed the white noise we had gotten used to had disappeared, and the attic began to feel like a sauna. We heard some footsteps coming up the creaky attic stairs. My dad proceeded to tell us the air conditioning just went out. And the owner, a single man who was about 30, said he would try and send someone out to fix it by tomorrow. This didn't help our situation, though, as we would be leaving tomorrow anyway. I went over to the windows around the attic and opened and locked the windows when they were all the way open. I then walked over to the observation tower to open the window in there. But as I opened the window, I looked out and saw a jet black cat sitting in the middle of the street making direct eye contact with me. This scared the shit out of me as not only was I a bit superstitious, but I had a bad history with cats and getting attacked. I locked the window all the way open, sat back down with Sam, Stephen, and Archie, and continued the game. After about 10 minutes, the attic had begun to cool down a tiny bit, and my dad, in order to lighten the mood, had bought an apple pie for us. The four of us flew down the stairs. I picked up the end of our chain, giving the attic one last look, seeing the open windows and curtains whipping slightly and then sprinted down the stairs ready for my apple pie. The three boys had already started in on their pie, and our dads, deep in a game of spades, had already eaten their share. I grabbed my piece, sitting nicely on a plate, and brought it upstairs in order to get back into the Monopoly game I was sure to win. But as we returned to the attic, we realized the room felt like a sauna again. We looked over to the windows we had opened. The curtains weren't whipping around anymore in the wind, as there was no wind, and the windows had closed. The four of us walked over to different windows to investigate. The windows hadn't just unlocked themselves and closed, but relocked themselves closed, as if we'd never opened them at all. Confused, Sam and I started looking around on the other side of the attic. 
for something that could explain why the windows were closed. All we found was a bathroom which Sam promptly used. The door to the bathroom didn't close all the way. In fact, the door only closed barely half of how far it could open. I turned my back to the door as it's disgusting not to and waited for Sam to be done. Once he was done, it was my turn. I walked into the bathroom, which had a very different look than the rest of the house. Instead of the Victorian style the rest of the house had, the attic bathroom felt like a very New York-style house. It had exposed brick and concrete, modern black lighting fixtures, and a sleek counter and sink with fake gray tile. I didn't like the idea of having the door open while I used the can, so I kicked the door. It popped a lot further closed than where it was and pushed the bubble in the floor that was keeping it stuck further back. I did my business and washed my hands. But as I was about to walk out, I noticed a closet in the wall next to the sink. My curiosity peaked and I swung open the door with ease. Boxes, big and small, filled the closet and all were open, holding the same thing. Bones. Each box was filled with bones. Some had skeletons that were put together. Human skeletons or bat skeletons. I uh, called over the guys and they squeezed into the bathroom as the door was now stuck in its place. They looked over the skeletons, some real, some fake, and everyone seemed to develop goosebumps. We didn't use the bathroom again. We went back to our game of Monopoly, which I quickly won once again. We got bored after a while and decided to leave the attic, which was still quite hot, and explore the rest of the house. We went down the stairs into the kitchen and started rifling through the cabinets. We checked out the mugs and their matching plates, the wide variety of silverware and many different knives that stuck out of the knife holder. Sam came to the pantry door and tried to open it, but it didn't budge. Who puts a lock on their pantry door? laughed Sam as he unlocked the door, turning the brass lock to the right and unlocking the pantry's secrets. The rest of us began making jokes in reference to having a brass lock on a pantry, coming up with tiny sketches on the spot. Then Sam opened the pantry door, ready to learn what the man who owned the Airbnb intended to eat. Sam swung open the door. Oh, wait, said Sam. A confused look washed over his face, followed by him slowly looking back at us with a big smile. We rushed over to look at the pantry and see why John reacted the way he did. I looked into the pantry, only to see it wasn't a pantry. A narrow staircase stood in front of us, leading into a dark, unknown basement. The stairs had a sharp left turn, preventing us from learning the stories the basement held. A cool chill washed over us, clearly coming from down the stairs. Something felt very unsettling about the basement. Our goosebumps quickly came back. Sam started to descend, leading with a flashlight on his phone. Wait, guys, think, interrupted Steven. This guy has a lock on his basement door. I mean, why would you have a lock on the outside of a basement door unless you're trying to keep something from getting out? Our goosebumps doubled in size after that comment. We didn't know what we were going to see down these stairs, but we all had a feeling it wouldn't be good. Sam slowly walked down the stairs on high alert. He turned the sharp left turn and stopped frozen in place. His face became ghost white. He slowly backed up and sprinted up the stairs, past the three of us and up into the attic. Archie, Stephen, and I all looked at each other, not sure if this was another one of Sam's attempts to make us look stupid and scared. We rushed up after him. He sat on the edge of the nearest bed, wide-eyed and still extremely pale. Hey, yo, what happened? asked Stephen with a light-handed back slap on the shoulder. Don't go downstairs, replied Sam, still wide-eyed. 
Bro, what'd you see? I asked out of my own curiosity. I can't stop you from going down there, but I don't feel safe in this house anymore. Archie seemed to take that as a challenge as he turned on the flashlight on his phone and ran down the stairs. Stephen and I followed, leaving Sam behind to contemplate what he'd just seen. Stephen and I reached the top of the basement door to see Archie at the bend in the stairs. His face was just as pale as Sam's had been when he'd reached that part of the stairs. Archie rushed past us towards Sam. It was my turn now. I had to know what was down there. I pulled out my phone, turned on the flashlight, and started descending the stairs. I slowly walked down, excited and nervous as to what was around the corner. I reached the bend in the stairs and slowly turned my head. My face went pale, just like Sam and Archie's. I looked forward into the basement. It was a decently sized room, but completely empty except for a pillar of drywall in the center with a sink attached to it. There were two rusty chains that were bolted to the pillar that looked like they were used in sequence with the sink. But what made my face go pale was the blood. Blood everywhere. Blood streaked down the pillar, down into the sink, across both chains, down onto the floor, stretching across the room. Dried blood. Who knows how long it had been there. The pieces seemed to fit together so perfectly. The lock on the outside of the door, the chains around the sink, and the blood. Someone was down here and they were not treated well. I ran upstairs into the attic, followed by Stephen after he too went into the basement. We all sat on the edge of the bed in disbelief, except Stephen who was pacing with his hands on his head. What? Uh, So, Stephen attempted to think of something to say. Let's tell her that, responded Sam, followed by a quick nod from Stephen. Our dads were at a circular table outside the kitchen playing poker and having a great time. So, we were just down in the basement and, um, I don't know, you should just look, Stephen stammered out. My dad quickly cut him off. No, just close the door. You're not supposed to go down there. It's in the house rules. The huh? I shot out. They're on the kitchen counter, my dad pointed. We walked over to the kitchen counter to see a laminated piece of paper that said house rules. Standard things like leaving shoes at the front door, or the Wi-Fi password, or please clean dishes after using them. At the bottom of the rules, in big, bold letters twice the size of the rest of the rules, it said, Under no circumstances is anyone allowed in the basement. John walked back over to the table and told them everything he'd seen there. They erupted in laughter. No, he's not kidding, I yelled back over their laughter. The owner said we can't go in the basement, so we're not going in the basement. Go play Monopoly or whatever, was Chad's response. Defeated, we marched back upstairs. We sat on the edge of the bed again, practically sitting on each other's lap out of fear of what had most likely happened in this house, and maybe it could happen again, but to us. We talked for about two hours until it was midnight, and our parents had gone to bed. And all of a sudden, the lights shut off in the attic, and the only light was the moon. A variety of different panic whispers spewed out of our mouths. Archie flipped the light switch, but nothing happened. He came back and sat on the bed again. Tensions began to fade after a while. Well, I gotta piss, exclaimed Sam with a bounce off the bed. He rushed over to the bathroom. Stephen, Archie, and I filled the hole where Sam was sitting by scooting closer together. We heard the toilet flush and the sink run. Hey, guys, guess what? We heard Sam call. The light sprung on as Sam walked out of the bathroom. I uh, found the electrical box. 
Sam had a big smile on his face as he knocked on the metal box in his proud state. Someone turn off the switch to the lights or something, said Sam as he began to realize what that must mean. We all looked at the closet in the bathroom as we knew no one had come up in the attic with us. I slowly walked over to the closet and looked in. Nothing was different, still just boxes of bones. No one was there, but how did the lights get switched off? We drifted back to the bed, this time getting into the twin bed that really shouldn't have fit all four of us. And we were all very tired. We all faced towards the attic stairs and the bathroom to keep lookout and safety for our lives. After about two hours of lying in bed together, Sam had the genius idea to have us all watch the trailer for the horror movie Lights Out. Then he told us he was going to bed. Archie, Steven, and I were all very much on edge after watching the trailer. Sam shot up in bed and looked at all three of us. Alright, guys, after tonight we never speak what happened here, okay? We then realized we were four male teenagers unintentionally spooning in a twin bed, and agreed to Sam's request. John and Steven eventually fell asleep, and Archie had his eyes closed attempting to fall asleep. I was wide awake, as I had difficulty falling asleep with the lights on. But thankfully, also not so thankfully, that didn't last, as the last thing I remember before falling asleep was the lights flickering off, followed by a thump from the stairs. The next morning, we woke up, packed our stuff, and got on the road. We were more than excited to escape the horrors of that awful house. As we were leaving the house, the black cat watched us pull out before crawling through a hole in the house as we drove off. About a week later, I got curious as to what my dad had seen on the Airbnb website in regards to the house we stayed at. I searched through my email for the invitation my dad had sent me to show off the house, but when I clicked on it, it said, Page Not Found. Only a week later, after we went into that house, it had been taken down. It was then that I remembered. We forgot to close the basement door. an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 24 hours ago, I found out the person I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister, Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real-life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. 
and I'm Emma Ferris, and this is my story, Conning the Con. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. Don't forget you can send in your own true terrifying tale. Head over to disturbedpodcast.com slash submit. If you'd like to support the show and gain access to bonus episodes, ad-free content, and early releases, visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast. We'll be shouting out our newest Patreon members in next week's episode. Music by Carl Casey at whitebataudio and co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new, full-length episode. And don't forget to stay safe out there, y'all.